Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seven Tracks. I'm your host, Jacques Morel. Today's guest is Ziba Blay, culture writer and the author of the upcoming book, Carefree Black Girls. In today's musical conversation, we talk about a lot, from her lifelong obsession with the Spice Girls, to Cardi B, to why Lil Nas X is such an icon. It's also accompanied by some really lovely stories about her life. For the uninitiated, we talk about seven topics over seven songs, growing up, love, success, loss, adoration, guilty pleasures, and today. I think you'll enjoy this one. As always, if you have any thoughts, hit me up on Instagram at at 7trackspodcast or via email at 7trackspodcast at gmail.com, using the number seven, of course. Now, without further ado, Ziba Blay. Welcome to 7 Tracks. Thank you. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so very excited to have you too. Um, we were talking before I pressed the record button, but you know, of the seven topics that we have here, growing up, success, love, loss, like which was the hardest one for you to kind of zero in, zero in on a song for? Ooh, I would have to say probably adoration because a lot of the people that, the songs that I picked for this list I also stand them like I stand the the Spice Girls down I stand Fiona Apple down but um yeah so that was that was difficult but it was really it was it was a nice challenge I I appreciated it (laughs) did it take you like down memory lane like were you sitting there reminiscing of times where you were listening to these songs were you put into that place I've been I've been going down like the digital memory lane like crazy I've been looking at my live journal I've been looking at my myspace like I'm like let's let's excavate like you know what the situation is and I found a picture from when I was like 10 or 11 of me wearing a Spice Girls t-shirt and by that time by the time I was 10 or 11 the Spice Girls were not cool anymore (laughs) like they were definitely like not like the tea anymore but yeah it was just like wow like these songs are such a huge part of my identity and who I am and they shaped me. So it was, it was really cool, actually. Wow. I, I can only imagine what would um, 10 or 11 year old Ziva think of you right now? How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm uh, 31. 30, yeah. Oh, so yeah, 31. So same here. So what would 10 or 11 year old Ziva think of 31 year old Ziva? That is such a good question. Wow. I... Wow. I've never thought about that. I feel like she would probably, it's funny because 31-year-old Ziva is not very impressed by 31-year-old Ziva, (sighs) but I feel like 10-year-old Ziva would be like, oh, snap, like you kind of like, you figured it out, bitch. Like you, you, like you did that, you know, (laughs) like she would be like, oh, it's cute for you. So yeah, I think it would be, she would be very pleased. So let's listen to the music that 11, 10 and 11 year old Ziba was listening to. Uh, first song we have that you selected is Spice Girls, Say You'll Be There. Um, we'll get to listen to that for a little bit and then we'll talk about it on the back end of it. So. Okay. Emotions at me, but any fool who see that falling, I gotta make you understand. I'm giving you 
so that was Spice Girls Say You'll Be There. Um, tell me, like, what feelings does that conjure up? Like, you know, I could see you, like, you, this is this is an audio podcast, but I could really see, it's almost like the pressure falling off your shoulders. You were a kid again. Yeah, I mean, the nostalgia of it all, the girl power of, of it all, like, it's just, it takes me back. I mean, the Spice Girls, like I said, were like just a huge formative moment for me. I think it's my first memory of of really loving music for me. Like not the music my mom was playing, which was great. You know, she played a lot of like Bob Marley and Cat Stevens and all that stuff was really awesome. But like this was just for me. I would have my seat, my Spice Girl CD. I would put it in and I would go off. You know, I would like it and. It just reminds me of, it's just joy. It's just pure joy. And, you know, obviously like Mel B was a member of that group and she was also like such an important figure because they were like, I mean, they were, I just think like there were not any black girls in music at the time that just looked like her and had her energy. There was something sort of alternative about her and something sort of like, just she had a very don't give a fuck energy that I really um that I was really attracted to so yeah it just makes me feel good I think because it's like I mean Janet Jackson was doing her thing around the time but it's like it was it's not in like that pure bliss pop in the way that like Britney Spears or like a Christina Aguilera was in that scene yeah it wasn't and, and, right yeah. and bear in mind they were pre-Britney and pre-Christina yeah you know and so this was like right it was like I was the perfect target audience for this like I was like what like six seven eight nine I don't even know um how old but I was like a little little girl I remember um for Mother's Day one year I I for my mom my mother's Mother's Day gift I sang her Mama by the Spice Girls with such like emotion and uh earnestness and she just stared at me like girl I don't know what this is but you better run me some flowers or a card but to me, it was like, this is like the height of like art, you know, and mm-hmm. I love them so much. Yeah. Tell me about the reaction of like your Ghanaian parents kind of reacting to this music and engaging with it, because as the son of a, of Haitian parents, right, mm-hmm. like music that wasn't Haitian to them just was like, what is what is it that you're listening to, son? So like, how was that? How did they react to it? How did they engage with it in the house? Yeah, I mean, it was giving very much that. It was giving like, you know, my mom, she indulged me. She, you know, she got me the CDs. She got me the t-shirts, but she was never, the music didn't move her. You know, it wasn't like she was um, gonna like bop with me in the kitchen to, to the Spice Girls. But I, but, I, but what I did appreciate was that she always sort of encouraged that through line, that sort of like branding that they had of like girl power, you can do it. You can like do whatever you wanna do. You're just as good as the boys. And I think that to her, as long as it's motivating my, my daughter to, uh, you know, do her schoolwork and, <laughs> and make it in life <laughs> then then it's it's gucci so yeah uh which uh i think i probably already have the answer to this question but which spice girl were you was it mel b or was it well yes at the time it was definitely mel b of course iconic now in retrospect as because the thing is to people i'm still obs- like it's i'm still obsessed <laughs> oh i mean the the listeners can't can't see this but you can 
Like, I'm holding up right now. I'm holding up a Spice Girls doll from 1996. Like I, and I have all five, like I'm obsessed with them. So um, now that I'm I'm older, I think Jerry is now my favorite. Um, Why did it change? Like, I mean, what what context does it make it change? I, I think now, like I, now I can look at them more, you know, I'm a culture writer and, and now I'm just more fascinated by sort of the construction, right? Because they were a constructed group. They weren't this sort of or completely or organic thing. And Jerry was the most ambitious of the group. She was the most crafty. Like she really made the Spice Girls happen. And I just find her... Yeah, I just find her a very fascinating figure. I find people who are obsessed with being famous very fascinating. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it, it's kind of like perfect for the the Kim Kardashian world that we kind of right. live in when you're just famous for being famous. Uh, for the uninitiated, which Spice Girl was Jerry? Because people would know him by oh, their yes. names. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry was a, a ginger spice. She was the one with the red hair who famously wore a Union Jack uh, dress on the Brit Awards in 1997. <laughs> that is, have you ever seen them in, in concert? I have never seen them in concert and it breaks <sighs> my little heart. Um, but hopefully one day, you know, they'll have a little reunion moment. We all know that Victoria uh, Beckham won't be there, but you know. What was the, um, and then we'll go into the next song after this, but what was the beef between, but why won't Vic, why won't Posh Spice be there? What was the issue back there? That oh, happened? I don't think it's so much a beef. I think it's just like, she's a very, very successful and she doesn't have time to <laughs> <laughs> to play games running around trying to be a spectacle. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Justin Timberlake giving uh, the NSYNC like like thirty seconds back to right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, y'all will get thirty seconds of a song, but <laughs> you know what I mean. But we all knew that it was JC that was really. Thank <laughs> you. He was my JC was always my favorite, the best singer and the cutest. Yeah, yeah, he was the best singer. He was I mean, people when people were dragging. I saw a TikTok. Not TikTok. Somebody at Peloton was dragging JT. It's like Justin Timberlake. It's like, you weren't even the most talented of the group. So. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, but yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that with me. Um, I feel like the next one we're going to get into, another uh, British trans, British export, mm-hmm. FK Twigs, Lights On. We're talking about love. Mm-hmm. This song is... Uh, I think it's it's it shows it really speaks to how vul- how sexy vulnerability can be, mm. right? Like even in, in the lyrics, we're, we're something we're about to listen to. But like, I'm interested in hearing why you chose this song, and um, just like just generally because FK Twigs dropped this in 2014, and who she is now is just such a magnified version of who she was then, yeah. in a way that is just so awesome it's just so great like she's she was like a niche favorite and then now like she still managed to retain that but she's just so much bigger that's a really good point yeah right because like even like at the time like she was like a like an art house favorite you would see her at the bowery ballroom or like a oh we're gonna get into it because that's exactly where i saw her (laughs) right yeah so it's like you'd see her you know at rough trade but like you know and she still is that artist but at the same time like now it's just it's just almost like I, I think because of the internet, like niche things and stuff like that, just is allowed to travel much further. Totally. But 
Like, like who would be like being interviewed by Gail King on Good Morning America? Like that's crazy to me. Right? Like, and you know, and and even like Magdalene was just so good. Like yeah. it, it's it, just and that's yeah, that's another good point. It's like she was always like a cute artist, but now it's like she's good. You know? She's exactly she's good. Her singing is better, like every everything is just more fleshed out. The ideas are, are better. Like it wasn't because I remember before, like I was into video well we're doing all this conversation that we could be doing so let's listen to the song okay yeah yeah We're back. Ooh. That was FK Twigs lights on. So good. Vibes. Um, yeah. Vibes, right? Like, so this comes off of uh, 2014's LP1, um, like, which was like kind of like her introduction. You know, there's two weeks is on that, Video Girl's on that, mm-hmm. which, which, why I say kind of, because Video Girl talks about how she was in music videos, but as a dancer, so right. she was already introduced to us. We just weren't paying attention to her. But like now, pop cult like culturally we're paying attention to her more than ever before yeah it's so it's really so yeah it's really interesting to kind of see her growth as an artist her growth in terms of just like the awareness that people had about have about her because definitely at the time fka twigs was one of those artists that kind of was like this sort of niche thing that like if you knew her you knew her and yeah it was vibes and now it's just kind of like she is um a force and i think one probably one of the most successful female artists out right now which is like really really cool and it's it's also like it's not even like she's getting like the numbers are crazy or anything like that right like it's 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 just it's just a a presence and you know it's like you know that when you listen to her, you can expect quality. When you in when you, you when you press play, it's it's like you're going to listen to something different. When you watch the music videos, right? Like, yeah. you know, like um, it, it's like someone said, it's a kind of like a Vegas show. You get like swordplay, <laughs> you know, singing and pole dancing in one shot. <laughs> you the know, whole like, shebang. Yeah. The whole shebang. Like, why did you pick lights on and? you know, tell me about like what that song kind of conjures up in you, like when you listen to it. Yeah, I think definitely more nostalgia. When that song came out, when that LP came out was around the time that me and my boyfriend started dating, we're still together. And, you know, his name name is Gulab. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it was like, you know, early, early, early days. I was like, I like him. Um, And one of our first like, dates was being fka at i want to say it was like a red bull like thing i can't remember it she played i can't remember it was somewhere in brooklyn um and it was like a tiny it was a small stage like this was before she was really really like a thing and i remember 
we had like one of our like best like first kisses to that song like in the like in the crowd like I wasn't even looking at her I was like go off girl but I'm like with my man so yeah I'm sure she would understand (laughs) exactly you know so it was like I have really fond memories of that song and of that time because I just feel like I I mean like you mentioned like before we, we started recording that that vulnerability can be sexy and I think that was a time when I was I was sort of like learning how to be vulnerable with my partner and like learning how to sort of like shed a lot of like walls that I had put up put up and somehow that song sort of like aided in like pulling those walls down and just making me feel you know open to whatever so uh in an interview uh Twig said that when she was writing this, she said, quote, if I want you to touch me, when I sing, if I want you to touch me, you can do it with the lights on. That's a metaphor for letting certain people see the different ugly sides of you that others won't be able to see. And I think that's something you were able to find with your boyfriend, seeing as all these years later, after that amazing first kiss during this song, you're still together. Still together. Yeah. It's kind of wild. And it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of wild just to like, think about what the world looked like. What the just what the world looked like back then in 2014, 2015, and what it looks like now. And like obviously there's been so much, you know, she has been in the news a lot recently because of everything that's been going on with her story about being a survivor of um, you know, domestic abuse. And I love music that can take me back to to a time, a certain point in my life but can also give me context about where I am right now, if that makes sense. I don't know if any of this is making sense. but No, it makes total sense because yeah, music just, is context. Yeah, you know, so it's just really cool to kind of see that growth personally and then just see that growth in, in terms of like the conversations that we're all having. And yeah. What other songs remind you of your boyfriend? Aww, um, Limp Bizkit, Break Stuff. <laughs> really so my my boyfriend is actually a musician he was in a band uh like a punk band i guess for a few years he plays his guitar constantly which is great you know it's great but he plays like metal music um so whenever i think of him i just think of like really heavy heavy metal i think of converge else does he listen to limp uh not limp biscuit what's that band there's some band that he listens to that is like a lot for me but i love it <laughs> yeah in that same interview uh with your place um when you talk about your current where you currently live you were talking about how um making the spot also welcoming to him as well putting some of his band posters on the wall <laughs> yeah you know because i can get i can get you know i can get a little obsessed with how i want my space to look and kind of take take it over but it's been really yeah like even like yeah with music like it's just been really cool because my my boyfriend actually has amazing taste in music like he listens to a lot of metal but he also listens to like a lot of like amazing jazz um like country blue like he just has amazing taste and I have I'm this kind of person who will just listen to the Spice Girls for 20 years and be fine with it um and he has you know he's uh introduced me to so much which has been really really cool so what's his reaction to you like do you remember when he found out you were a Spice Girls fanatic he was like 
okay, that's cute for you. <laughs> I mean, and he's so supportive. He is the one who bought me the the collection of Spice Girls dolls for for uh think for um Valentine's Day. So he gets it. Really? Yeah, he he like got them on eBay or something, and I was like, you. You're doing good, kid. <laughs> he's doing great. Significant others take notes. That's yes. he's doing the work. He's doing the work there. Um, up next, we're talking Cardi B. Get up ten for success. Uh, this is off her debut album, Evasion of Privacy. Um, Cardi B, another force. Like you know, like three straight songs, three straight uh, forces. Like I'm really excited uh, for it. So let's listen to that and then we'll be right back. I waited my whole life just to shit on niggas. Climb to the top floor so I could spit on niggas. Said I was just trying to chill and make bangers. Tell all these old bitches they in danger. The thing on my hip with bitches in the shape. That's what I call a fucking waist trainer. You gon' run up on who and do what? I think y'all got your story screwed up. I came here to ball, is you nuts? I don't want your punk ass man, I'm too tough. I'm the one that's killing shit, hands down. If you got a problem with me, say it now. Cause I don't wanna hear no sneak dissing. Especially not from one you weak bitches. I'm on go, like, iconic. <laughs> Truly, truly, truly iconic. That's Cardi B's 2018 track, Get Up 10, off of her debut album, Invasion of Privacy. Um, Cardi B, is, it's like, you know, kind of, we were talking about it during the song before it was playing and as it was going, just rooting for her, just wanting her to succeed because yeah. as a personality, I like her. I feel like if I were to run into her, at a bar or on the subway or just like have casual conversation, she would just be super chill. But like, she also has her flaws as we all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's what's so compelling about her, right? I feel like people who, I mean, at least for me, I don't, I'm not really drawn to people who just seem completely perfect and can do no wrong. And then it's like, what's there to root for? It's like, you have everything already. And I feel like with Cardi, I mean, I was aware of her uh, long before she was even on Love and Hip Hop, like just when she was like an Instagram, you know, like popular person. And she had that video, you know, a hole never gets cold. And it was like, oh, this girl is funny. Like this girl doesn't take herself too seriously. And this girl is really trying to, she gets, you know, she, she, she gets knocked down and she gets up. And there's something really, really appealing about that. And I think, you know, this, category um was about success and i think a lot about what success means especially for uh women of color um in in any industry but particularly in the music industry i feel like there are so i mean there's i don't know if you saw um what's that show called uh, rhythm and flow mm-hmm. yeah. um, where, where cardi was uh, uh one of the judges and it was interesting because it was like cancer rapper and ti for some reason and they're you know they're giving for some reasons their- <laughs> accurate yeah <laughs> and they're giving all their critiques about you know like this bar was good this bar was and her every critique she made was about what's your brand i did done perform with nothing just myself rocking the crowd that's right popping my pussy <laughs> what's your persona what's your look and i find that so interesting because look at the end of the day we know cardi doesn't write her own rhymes yeah i think cardi has never said she writes her own rhymes cardi is about being a persona and a brand and like that and she does it really well and i find that really fascinating so to have this song get up 10 be the sort of opening 
song of her debut album was like such a bold and interesting choice. And I think it was her saying, listen, like you can count me out every single time, but I'm going to just keep going. Like I'm going to keep making these albums. I'm going to keep, you know, posting these looks and you're just going to have to suffer. And (laughs) I really love that, you know, especially because um, as I was saying earlier, um, she is so problematic. And I'm also really interested by just like the function of like liking problematic people, because then you have to look at yourself and be like, okay, like, why is it that there are certain things about this person that I'm willing to sort of overlook in order to root for them and, you know, and hope that they do well. And that's also like really interesting to think about. You know? Yeah. Cause I think it forces you to also analyze like how much you, you know, right Mm -hmm. like you know you kind of take that out like even mentioning like she can be colorist at some time and transphobic right but like cardi b is you know a black woman right but like in it's in the certain like shades right and right right. and then the context of which she was brought up in so it's like how much is forgiven from that right but also how much is like okay you need to do better and it also puts it on yourself it's like okay how much like you as the as the viewer as the consumer of the content need to do better in like being smarter about what you're kind of taking in from this person right like yeah yeah and and also like in a weird space of like music of like something that like an, an earworm is an earworm right it's catchy right like you're you're into it you move to it but the voice that's saying it still has their own issues that they're kind of wrapped up in as well exactly and and that's uncomfortable and like that mm-hmm. I mean I I have a chapter in in my book that's coming out later this year about Cardi and I I write about how like you know like it's uncomfortable and I don't know what to do with it but being being aware mm-hmm. of it and acknowledging it is better than just pretending like these these sort of like dualities and these like crunchy sort of difficult things don't exist because then what's the point of engaging with any of this at least in my opinion no I I agree with you like what's the point of even having this discourse if you're not going to let it inform the choices you make right you know like it's like you can it's like we can walk and chew gum at the same time like you could both critique Cardi B but also enjoy WAP (laughs) you know (laughs) like you could both enjoy you can enjoy both so you know, why do you feel that, um, kind of like personify this a bit, you know, how have you been knocked down nine times by getting up 10? Like, actually, maybe you could, you know, bring it down to the microcosm of writing a book, like, you know, and oh, how yeah. stressful that was. Talk about that. Child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I've had, as we all have had, but you know, I mean, so everything is through, through my perspective and experience but I've had a hard life you know and 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 it's not even to say that like I mean hard things have happened to me but I think for me I've uh struggled a lot with um depression and anxiety and like PTSD and just trauma and when I think of 10 year old me uh and and you know I was talking about how 10 year old me would be impressed I think part of that is just because I am still here, you know, I'm still alive. And there were a lot of times in my life as a younger person where I didn't think that would be the case. And 
that is a kind of miracle and it's something to celebrate. And it's something that I think we need to like, especially black women, you know, cause I always think in the context of black women, but we don't give enough, ourselves enough props and we don't give ourselves enough grace. And it's like, in spite of all the imposter syndrome and, you know, the fears and, and the doubts that I have about myself, I have gotten to a place where I, you know, like I'm, I'm a writer. Um, I have a, a loving, supportive relationship. I have amazing friends and that's great. <laughs> you know, like that's pretty cool, you know? And I think that like, so that song, uh, Get Up 10, I remember when that album first came out, I just listened to the song over and over and over again. And it was during a particular moment in my life when I was super, super depressed. And yeah, so it's just like the fact that a song can sort of like, and and I'm only realizing now as I'm talking to you that that song got me through that moment. It's crazy because I don't, I didn't even realize as that was happening. But now that I'm looking back, I'm like, oh, wow. Like that song was one of the things that, gave me something to sort of anchor myself to yeah because music roots us in a time and place yeah it keeps us grounded you know and often we don't realize that you know that we have roots growing at the time while we're listening to it until moments like just now like where you are able to kind of think about it in retrospect and you know kind of get taken back and swept away um so the next topic we, we talk about now is, is loss. And the song that you selected is Fiona Apple's Oh Well. Um, Fiona Apple, who had uh, a, a big 2020 with Fetch the Bull Cutters getting unanimous praise across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to listen to that with you. And then we're going to talk about why you picked that song and, and what context of loss you apply to that song because loss could be mean so many different things. So let's listen to that. What you did to me made me see myself something awful. A voice once stentorian is now again meek and muffled. Took me such a long time to get back up the first time you did it I spent all I had to get it back and now it seems I've been all bitter Such a big song, oh my goodness. Tell me where I could see you listening along just now and what context, I mean first what context of loss did you put this in and um, you know where did those lyrics take you? And, you know, tell me, where, where were you just now? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's really interesting when a song that you have a very long history with takes on a new meaning in your life later on in your life. Um, because I've loved Fiona Apple since I was in high school. Um, I just think she, I think she's one of like the best songwriters, like, of all time, although I didn't like vegetable bolt cutters. Vegetable bolt cutters, I've been in here too long. You didn't. Um, no. Everyone else did. It's crazy. It was. I was like, mm, that's cute for you, but I'm good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, in general, you know, I think she's fantastic. And that song 
has always been one of my favorites. And recently I was thinking a lot, you know, I was, I was ruminating on loss. I've never um, lost someone like, you know, through death that was particularly close to me. Um, I've never had a, like, had my heart broken or broken up with someone. My boyfriend is like actually my first boyfriend. So I don't have that context. Um, but recently I had, and I, I can't even like go to the, I'm going to be very vague, but I had a sort of a family estrangement, which was really, 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 really difficult to go through. And I came back to the song and the lyrics just, it's really crazy when lyrics can just completely like distill the situation you're going through. And there's one, so obviously that, that line where she says, what, you know, what wasted unconditional love on someone who doesn't believe is like, oh. What wasted unconditional love? I think anyone can relate to that when like you love someone so much and you don't, you know, you love them without expectation or, you know, you just love them and they, they just don't get it. Um, and then there's another line in the song that like during that period when I had this falling out with a a family member that really got me, which was, uh, oh, what a cold and common old way to go. I was feeding on the need for you to know me devastated at the rate you fell below me. And I was like, damn. the situation I was in was like wow like the thing that hurts the most is that you're not the person that I thought you were I I agree because it also it's like it's also affirming and stuff it's like I'm better than this I'm better than the situation that you put me in exactly and I think hearing those words and listening to this song was really affirming for for me because I mean there's another line where she says um you know uh my peace and quiet was stolen from me uh while I was looking with calm affection you were searching out my imperfections and it's just like every line in the song is just like so visceral and so real and and it really just comes down to the fact that you when you go through situations like like this of of heartbreak and loss you can spend time sort of asking yourself what did I do wrong what's wrong with me why did why why did this person leave me? Is it, it, it must be because there's something wrong with me. And the song really affirmed for me the fact that, no, there's nothing wrong with you. Like this person fucked up. This person, um, you know, this person is in pain and they can't see you. And that's not your problem, you know? It, it and that fl- was really healing. It flips the cliche of like, it's not me, it's you. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's you, y'all. It's you're the, you're the problem. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, to kind of lift our spirits a bit, we can get into adoration. Um, uh, and the person, the song you picked, well, and this is still like the person you picked, Stephen okay. Sondheim's Sunday. Uh, this is this put me on. I, I learned a lot in doing the research on this. So we're going to listen to uh, a version of Sunday that I was able to find on YouTube. Nice. <laughs> um, and then uh, we'll be back and uh, we'll get to this. So let's do it.
That was Stephen Sondheim Sunday from uh, Sundays in the Park with George from 1984. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 1984. I think the thing that really sticks out to me a lot about that song is like the scope, you mm-hmm. know, but, you know, adoration's a topic for people you stand, people you're obsessed with. So, you know, um, me learning more about Stephen Sondheim and doing this research, realize now this person is a, is a force. Like, yeah. tell me iconic. about, I- iconic, right? Like, tell me about what was your first introduction to Stephen Sondheim? My first introduction to Stephen Sondheim was the show Company. Um, I, like, you know, the days of, like, college, YouTube, just, like, clicking around, seeing what's what. And I came across the, I believe, 1975, like, cast recording session of Company. company. 1972 I'm not sure um which was I, I just love the show the show is about this single guy who like you know he, he doesn't want to settle down and it's really good and what was really good about it was the lyrics and the music which is all Sondheim and Sondheim is one of those people who I mean like just now when you when you were playing Sunday I could cry <laughs> like I could literally cry yeah. uh Every time I think about him and think about his his work, his breadth of work, and and what he says in his work, it's so much about what it means to be a person and what it means to be an artist. And I, you know, that's you know what I think about twenty four seven. And yeah, like he just really moves me. When I want to be moved, I listen to um, a Sondheim musical. You know, I, I felt moved too. I mean, that's what like theater is supposed to do like you know and I feel like have you been able to see any of his plays um because I know West Side Story comes back every now and then so you know that's that one isn't uh, that's my least favorite I'm okay (laughs) you can stay over there but uh you know there was like a company revival that 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 was like supposed to be a thing and then obviously corona happened Mm -hmm. um a few years ago uh Jake Gyllenhaal was in um, a production of Sunday in the Park with George, which is my favorite um, Sondheim musical. It's like so weird. Like it's a very weird musical. Um, but again, like very like emotional and like uh, sort of spiritual. Um, and I think that's it. But hopefully one day uh, the time will come because it's just amazing. It washes over you, you know? Earlier we were talking about I said how I'd seen Hamilton and he told mm-hmm. me, don't like Hamilton. This is musical theater. You, you want to talk about why you're not into Hamilton. What is it about Hamilton that you're not into? I know this is not necessarily having to do with oh. Stephen Sondheim, but oh, you know, oh. an, another person that wrote, designed, you know, a musical theater piece. Completely. I mean, I can answer that question very simply. It's corny. Like that's just <laughs> what it is. <laughs> like it's just corny, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I'm happy for the girls. Like, I'm happy for people who who love it. Because it's, it's a cool idea. Like, you know, like, oh, rapping founding fathers. Um, but I just, you know, I, I just find Lin-Manuel, like, like, to be a very corny person. And um, <laughs> I don't, yeah, like, the, the musical. And also, the, you know, there's, there's also the thing of, like, you know, you have these, like, slave owners being played by like black and brown people and rapping and like I'm supposed to like love 
like I'm supposed to be rooting for them. And it's just, in, in a certain sense, you could say like, oh, it's a kind of commentary on that. Like, you know, this is a country of immigrants and like, it is kind of interesting to have these founding fathers played by the very people who they didn't have in mind when they were creating uh, the, the Declaration of Independence. But then there's also another way to go, which is like, I don't want to see it. And that's kind of the way that I go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even like in, I'm sort of, even in watching it, like it's, it's a it's not alluded to it's called out uh david diggs plays uh thomas jefferson there's a letter on my desk from the president haven't even put my bag down yet sally blm darling won't you open it this is the president's assembly in the cabinet and that i am to be the secretary of state I think at the Constitutional Convention, he's like, we know why Virginia is doing so well, because they don't pay for their labor. So, like, it's called out, but, like... Little moments, yeah. Yeah, little moments here and there. And, you know, I think in watching it, it was just funny to me that, like, I would love, like, these founding fathers, how they would feel waking up one day. Yeah. And just seeing, like, oh. Oh, word. Like, that's what's happening. And that's (laughs) kind of cool. That, I, I will say, is the one... In, I, interesting thing about Hamilton that I think makes it as corny as it is a significant cultural artifact, you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely a cultural artifact of the time, right? Like late Obama era. Oh, completely. You know? Cause that's where it was first, uh, you know, I think the first time Lin-Manuel like sort of, uh, you know, debuted any music from Hamilton was at like a dinner for the Obamas or something, you know? So it is very much of that, that energy. Yeah, that like post, that post-racial in quotations, like- Pre-Trump, pre-insurrection. Pre-tr- <laughs> yeah, pre-insurrection. Wow, yeah, we, yeah, it's really gonna be pre and post-insurrection. Imagine having to explain that to, you know, the kids of the future. Um, yeah, but, um, so to get into the next one, Guilty Pleasures, um, someone that I feel that, that tries really hard, but like makes it look so cool and that is so authentically them is Lil Nas X's Panini. Uh, A song that when I feel like when it first came out, uh, it could have faced, it could have faced the same thing. Oh, this is earnest. This is corny. Like I, I remember people being like a song about Panini from, you know, I think it's adventure time. I'm not sure. Like, but like, it's like from a cartoon network show and it's like, no, but when you listen to it, it really gets stuck in your head. It really finds its way to get stuck in there. So um, let's put it back in our heads real quick. We'll get listen to that for a second. Then we'll come back on the back end and we'll talk about like the person, the icon, and you know the the meme in many ways that is Lil Nas X. The song is like essentially like his fans' reaction to him becoming so famous. Yeah. And in the video, he plays his fans with Sky Jackson playing him. 
Yeah, it's it's I I really like Lil Nas X, and and it's it's almost unfair to call this a guilty pleasure because I don't know that I'm guilty for loving his music and loving that um, particular uh, EP, like or LP. I don't I don't know. It's but, an EP. Uh, it's an EP. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, he is like he's just living his life and like and and the thing too is like people say that he's bad you know like they say that he's not a good artist and I don't know if I can speak to that but I will say that he is a very savvy artist he is an artist who's very uh emblematic of the time in which he he exists and the song is good yeah yeah like you're sampling you know, like your um, freaking Nirvana. Right, like it, it. I just, I don't know. Like, there's something like just really irreverent and fun about him, and especially the fact that he is like one of the first, like, super popular queer, like hip-hop you know artists out there is so exciting and I whenever I hear this song like I can like after now that we've listened to this I'm mm-hmm. going to be singing Panini for the rest of the evening oh I hope my I know that and, <laughs> and, and it's the same thing with his song Holiday hey it's Holiday I got holes on holes and it out of control yeah you know and like I think the thing about Lil Nas X too is I feel like he's been putting together this like TikTok series where he's talking about like his life, you know, during, yeah, it's like, has like five parts. It's really interesting. And it's also some of it's like really sad because, you know, like he came out, Mm -hmm. you know, like so much happened to him in such a short period of time. And, and we have so much history on one hit wonders, right. And the pressure of not becoming one, he talks about his first lawsuit, but I feel like the, like Lil Nas X is someone that, you know, Whereas this was like 20 years ago, they would have, you know, this industry, especially hip hop, would have pushed him and kept him in. First of all, he would have been blown up with a song like he did at Old Town Road, True. right? Yeah. And and second, like this industry wouldn't have been as welcoming to him as it is right now. Like the fact that Nas was performing Rodeo at the Grammys with him is... It's wild. It's wild. It's a big deal. And I, I, I like that Lil Nas X is just very much like him. He's very much himself. Like, and I think that it's hard to be that in this hyper. I mean, everyone, especially like I, I find, you know, so like, you know, we're millennials you know, youngish millennials. And <laughs> oh we, man, it hurts. <laughs> I get, we're getting older. Um, and we're from a time when, you know, the, the Spice Girls didn't have, the Spice Girls didn't have social media. Britney Spears didn't have social media. Like there wasn't this constant access and this constant need to perform and be present. And he's very savvy on social media, but I think it, social media also opens up these artists to more scrutiny, um, to more, I mean, like, yo, like Instagram, Twitter, all these places are toxic, you yes. know? And the fact that he, as a, as a queer artist, as someone who is, you know, was, was labeled as a sort of one hit wonder, we're never going to see this guy again. 
has been able to parlay that into a career and sort of seemingly keep his head, you know, above the clouds is really impressive. And I'm actually genuinely excited to see what he does next. You know? He's a former Barb. Like that, that was juicy. And I love that so whole saga. <laughs> when it came out, it's funny because a genius, we were Nas X, Lil Nas X's first like interview on camera interview, oh, cool. but he had been on the genius site. He was one of the top annotators for Nicki Minaj lyrics for a very long time. This is like, is this, this is known. So I'm not like breaking any news here, but I remember back when it was first bubbling and we're talking in the office about like, you know, how we get to cover this and whatnot. Like I remember shots of Rob Markman, him kind of pointing out and other people in the community team being like, yeah, like he has a huge presence on this site annotating Nicki Minaj lyrics. <laughs> He's a barb. He talked to me about like just the impact of Lil Nas X as a queer black man in hip hop and music writ large. And, you know, how much pressure must be on him to not only have taken the places like, oh, I have a country music song and it's the best and, you know, but also oh, I have a rap song and it has to be that good and to continue to put out music, even though he hasn't put out that much. And, mm -hmm. you know, just like the avenues and the lanes that he has to, you know, travel in order to present himself to the world. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that it's easy being the first. It's not, it's not easy being the first anything, especially for marginalized people. Like, there is always this added bit of pressure that you have to sort of be representative of a community. So it's like, he can't just be, hi, I'm Lil Nas X out here trying to, you know, make this happen. It's not like, oh, okay, I'm the first sort of like hip hop country artist. And I've like, you know, made all of these sort of like moves in, in terms of like making people rethink what a country artist even looks like or sounds like okay, I'm also queer, like, I have to represent this community, like, I can't imagine what that feels like, and I think that, I think in, in anything, we have to be careful about sort of, and you, and, you know, obviously, I'm, like, a, a journalist, and, like, I, I see it every day, there, there's this, um, there's this need, and this um, tendency for us, and I do it myself, to narrative, narrativize everything, and to turn everyone into a story, it's like they can't just be the person that they are. They have to be an archetype and be part of a larger sort of like thing. And that takes away a lot of the complexity of a person and it takes away a lot of their agency. And it's, it's funny because someone might be listening to this and be like, it's only Lil Nas X. Like, is it that deep? But like, it is kind of yes. that deep, you know? Like it is because at the end of the day, 20 years from now, his presence in the industry is going to have uh, repercussions and ripples. We're going to see more Black queer artists able to, uh, you know, run because he walked. Yeah. Um, and so we have to kind of like give him grace to just be himself, you know? Yeah, I, 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 that was with the way you put it was so perfect is like as a as a journalist myself it's like everything has to fit in a story where's the story it's like it's like there has to be i wish there was like a word for it but it's like the way i kind of just see the world it's like where's the story in it yeah. and i think it's it's just 
maybe it's just trauma from having editors like kind of <laughs> you know whittle through your stuff to kind of find where's the through line here um exactly, yeah. um so we're going to get to the final topic this has been such a great conversation um final topic is today it's artists that you're into today and the artist you picked is Tenariel's mama saturn well the song is the artist is Tenariel, and the song is mama saturn um we're gonna listen to mama saturn a little bit and then we'll come back and we're gonna find out why you're trying to put us on to Tenariel. Shift paradigms around our bodies with the sky Till I am yours and you are mine I'd do anything for you Yeah, I'd do anything for you Baby, just say the word And we make perfect sense, so God cannot resist, no I could feel the urge to drop defense At my expense, allow my body to and along with yours that love commands Close my eyes, embrace my matter Swing my hips as if they bear the rings of Mama Saturn Stretch my vertebrae so we can climb it like a ladder And step into our world That was beautiful. That was my, yesterday, that was my first time listening to it. So you really put me on. Yeah. Like, why did you pick uh, Mama Saturn? It's just a sexy ass song. <laughs> you know, like her voice is like butter. Like it's so, <laughs> like, it's just so soothing. And like, you know, like with a nice glass of wine on Friday <laughs> night, like, you're good to go. I think, and you know, like honestly, she is. Um, well, first of all, like I think, you know, if if you whoever's listening to, listening to this should definitely, if you're not, follow her on Instagram, um, because I think you know I'm. I also am like I'm really interested in music artists who really incorporate um, their their visuals, you know, into their persona and into the the fabric of the music that they make. And she is someone who, if her music is smooth like butter, like her visuals are also smooth. Like she's a, she's a gorgeous woman. Mm -hmm. um, she's a dark skinned woman, which is like really refreshing to see because there are not a lot of like dark skin R&B singers who are really doing it, doing it um, big right now. And she's an independent artist and like making all this really amazing, soulful uh, and kind of like idiosyncratic music. And it's just, I don't know, like I'm very excited by her and I feel like she's someone who we're going to be seeing a lot of in the next five years, you know? Yeah, I, I liked, I liked the aesthetic. It's very spacey as I was looking very, at. Yeah, and exactly. Um, and like you said, like her vocals are just like smooth, like butter. Do you remember who put you on? How did you first get up, come across her? I don't actually know. I think I just kind of came across maybe a picture of her. And then from there, like found a link to that particular song and was just kind of blown away. I'm like, okay, this is going on the sex playlist. Like she's, <laughs> she's really good. But I, I, I think too, um, a, like, I think last year, uh, she attended the BET Awards and she kind of like was in the news a little bit for that because she had shown up on the red carpet looking stunning in a, a low cut 
uh, dress and people started talking shit about her boobs. They were like, oh, her boobs are too saggy. Like she looks a mess. She needs to get a breast lift. And while, you know, someone else may have retreated or, you know, gone ahead and gone some, some work done. She was like, no, like she was like, I'm not going to let you shame me. I love my body. This is a real body, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, women are beautiful in every shape and form. And there was something too about that message in addition to like the quality of her music that just really drew me in. And she, and she had, her album is really great. If, if you guys haven't listened to it, you should check it out. I think she's, she's a talent, you know, she's a real talent. And same as you are a real talent. Oh. Oh. And this has like truly been so special. Um, Tell me, uh, as we take it home, as we wrap it up, um, what can we expect with your book? It's coming out October 21 of October it's 2021? Yeah, October 19 in the U.S. And I believe uh, October 23rd in the U.K., although that's tentative. But if you want any details, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Ziba Blay. Um, and I'm really excited. The book is called Carefree Black Girls. And it's just a series of essays about Black women in pop culture and the impact that we've had and um, the impact that Black women in pop culture have had on me and, you know, informing my identity. And I'm really nervous, but I'm also really excited. So, um, Congratulations. Congratulations. It's amazing to see, like, all these years of work kind of encapsulated into what's going to come in October. and you know, kind of being, for me, just being on the outside of it, you know, like, you know, first, like being very close to it when we work at HuffPost, yeah. but now being on like the outside of it, it's like really amazing to see. So congratulations. And um, thanks for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I have to say, before we go, I have to say, I'm so proud of you. You know, even though we haven't worked together in a few years, I've been following your work and it's been phenomenal. And I think you're just such an amazing guy you were always so kind and warm to me when we worked together and i'm just really happy for you and everything you're working on so thanks for listening y'all if you have any thoughts questions or concerns shoot me an email at seven tracks podcast at gmail.com or hit me up on instagram at seven tracks podcast i'll see y'all soon peace